Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and about what's next. It's a show that wants to ask questions, peel back the layers of our average everyday experience and go beyond scratching the surface. We interview amazing people with incredible ideas and stories who have done wild, weird, and wonderful things. Remember that imagination shared create collaboration, and collaboration creates community, and community inspires social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. So my next interview is with lawyer Judy Wood and film producer Trevor Brisbane. And we had a three-way conversation about a new film that is now available uh, video on demand and uh, premiered uh, here in uh, Ontario in Canada at the Oakville Film Festival. You're going to want to check it out. It's a film called St. Judy, and uh, you probably made the connection already. St. Judy is, in fact, Judy Wood, the lawyer who changed the way immigration law was um, was seen and ultimately uh, had a huge impact on uh, lives of women everywhere through the U.S. And so the, you know, and this is something that's big here on Face to Face. We talk about Splash and Ripple. We talk about implications. This this interview was was kind of all over the place in a really good way. We we got into a whole lot of things. We talk about hope and 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 making you know the fact that human lives matter and and how do we become you know better humans. We find out that Judy is quite the artist in her own right, and we get into this conversation about faces and masks and truth and authenticity, idealism, you know, versus realism and 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 about what's true and 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 what's certain. We 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 get into uh, how art potentially you know, may lead us to significant social change of, of one kind or another. We get into international development, frankly. We talk about gender disparity and, and something that Judy talks about, uh, fem- femicide. And and uh, it's a, uh, we get into the church, church's empire. Trevor's a, uh, well, he might call himself a pastor, actually, but I think he's a former pastor who's who's talking about church's empire and what, what this thing called the church globally, and that I would think is pretty inclusive for Trevor, uh, what it has to do to, to really take on this uh, notion of transformation. So, 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 Listen in. It's it's a fascinating conversation. Lots going on. The film Saint Judy. You're going to want to see it. It's terrific. It's great cast, by the way. Alfred Molina, Michelle Monaghan, Peter Krause. The you're, you're going to be blown away. And it 
you know, as per usual, any great film, any great story peels back the layers on our everyday average experience. There's so much more going on than meets the eye. Don't forget face-to-facelive.ca for so many more interviews with filmmakers and philosophers and authors and so on. TIFF is coming up. It's going to be on us uh, very soon, which I'm pretty excited about. Uh, DavidPeckLive.com for more information about my writing and my speaking. You can find out uh, a whole lot of other things there. So check that out. And if you want to advertise on Face to Face, please let me know. You can reach out to me through uh, the website and the email address there. And if you want to support the work we're doing, you can do that. Uh, Patreon.com, as low as $5 or a, dollar a month, $5 a month. We'd appreciate it. We're uh, trying to push the podcast out to more uh, platforms and get more people listening share it with your friends sign up for the newsletter we would love that and don't forget rabble.ca oh and if you can't do that by all means by all means um give us a review set up it only takes a couple of minutes on itunes spotify something along those lines we'd appreciate it and don't forget rabble.ca not only for uh, the platform where face-to-face is hosted as well but a whole host of other writers thinkers Uh, thought leaders, people, uh, journalists, uh, bloggers, and podcasters. Check it out, rabble.ca, news for the rest of us. Coming right up, Trevor Brisbane and Judy Wood. Well, welcome to Face to Face. We're joined by two very special guests here today in, well, I guess we're kind of on the border of Mississauga and Oakville. I think maybe our our guest here, Trevor Brisbane, can help clarify that for us. And uh, Judy Wood, an immigration lawyer here. She's the subject of a new film called St. Judy. And uh, the Oakville Film Festival is here in town, opening night uh, tonight. We're here at the hotel to have a conversation about the film and about a whole lot of other things. Judy, thank you for joining us. Trevor, thanks for your time today. Great thank to be you. here. Yeah, so excellent. Happy to be here. Oh, good. There was that little pause I'm there, and I was a wondering. Wonderful time. Yes, yeah, we, we. And this is, you know, this is International Refugee Day. Indeed, indeed, it is. So, so Saint Judy. I'm, I'm not sure, and you know, it's most of my interviews are usually uh, uh, one person, and so it's always interesting to get the dynamic of a conversation going on, which is great. And 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 it's a real um, kind of a treat for me because most of mine I do online. So it's uh, ironically my podcast is called, as my listeners know, face to face, but. Very Rarely do I actually get actual physical contact. So this is fantastic. Trevor, why don't you start? Uh, Big time Hollywood producer now. Um, Did anyone hear that tongue uh, planted firmly in cheek? Uh, Big time Hollywood producer, St. Judy. Why did you step into this? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because I'm always interested in in, in the folks behind the scenes. And, And why would you get behind? Is this about making money? I don't think so necessarily. But anyway, go for it. Yeah, as my lawyer quickly said, if you want to make money, don't ever invest in film. Right. Um, so, no, I mean, it's going to become qu- pretty apparent once um, Judy starts to tell stories why anyone would want to, you know, um, support her story, support her cause, support her, just be in the, the Judy sphere um, because what she does is beautiful, it's profound, and it is so, so deeply important. Um, I got involved because I think human lives matter profoundly. Um, I'm an ordained Christian minister, and so one of the things that I sort of... Should I be worried about that, Trevor? You should definitely be okay. worried about that, but that's a different just, podcast yeah, yeah, altogether. Just, that's right, yeah, yeah. That'll um, be part two, yeah. One of the things that I, you know, my role in life is is to proclaim good news to people. Mm. And, um, you know, for, for people who are poor, the good news is that you're not alone and there's, you know, going to be economic stability. For people who are um, afraid is that there can be security and there can be there can be hope. And, and there's something deep within the tradition that I come from, the spiritual tradition I come from, that has a special place for refugees. 
And so when I heard about this story of a um, young Muslim woman who um, is persecuted for teaching girls, and it was this other um, American woman lawyer who took on the case to save her life, and not just her life, but literally thousands of other lives, I thought there's nothing more um, spiritual, faithful, profound, and deep than that. So I, you know, my wife Marisol and I knew we had to be involved with this story. Well, uh, the way it started, this work that I do, was um, I had actually um, been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And when that happened, um, I was in a church, and uh, I was actually homeless at the time. And um, I walked into this church in Los Alamos, and um, a woman came over to me. There was an altar call, and she laid her hands on me, and I heard the sound of a waterfall, which is partly why I want to go see Niagara Falls. And she said, I, she didn't say, but I heard the voice of Christ saying, see the face of Christ in every face. And at the time, I actually was a, a, a portrait artist. I, was, uh, I had <laughs> been doing portraits of people basically all over the world because I had traveled many places doing portraits of people. And so my, my art took on a completely different turn from there, and I began seeing people's soul, basically, when I was drawing their picture rather than drawing their mask. I would see Christ within them. And so, obviously, that led to a whole number of adventures, and I became very involved with these people whose picture I was drawing. And then they would tell me their stories and tell me all their problems. And many of them became my best and dearest friends, whom I'm still friends with. Um, and I decided during the course of that that I had to do more for them than simply give them a picture, because they would ask me, you know, how can I do this or do that? And I didn't have a law degree. I hadn't been to law school. And there, from there, I decided to go to law school. So, so sorry, we're going to hijack this podcast. Appear, this apparently, I'm, I'm no longer needed. I'm, I'm going to leave and call my publicist. I'll, uh, I'll get right back to you guys. So, so, Judy, how did you go from homeless to law school? Well, I became a very successful portrait artist as okay. a result of this vision, this auditory uh, message that I got. And I got very good at it, and I was able to actually make quite a bit of money at it. And not, I didn't become rich, but I was able to definitely be able to support myself and my family. So, so I loved what you said about the face and the mask. Right. So this enabled yeah, you to yeah. actually see well, people for who they you know, really we were. We all have a mask, and it's not just if we put on a mask or put on makeup or whatever. But we have to present ourselves to the world in order to get through the day, in order not to be seen as, you know, whatever it is that we really are. And so I was able to actually penetrate the mask um, in a loving way, and not really aggressively penetrate, but more way, more allow it to shine through. And um, I was doing this, actually, in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And I was actually across the street from Native Americans who were selling their artwork. And they usually didn't allow, allow Anglos to uh, photograph them or draw them, but they used to love to have me draw them. And I would just paint the light dancing across their mm. face, and they liked it so much. They'd invite me to their children's birthday parties at the Pueblos and have me do little drawings of all their children, and they would trade with me. I never kept anything. I'd always give whatever pottery or weaving they gave to me to a friend, but it just kept the circle going, the circle of love between us. Um, and then one day I also did other paintings and one day I was in my little home studio by that time I was able to have a little studio and I was painting this picture of Christ 
imposed on a waterfall and these birds sort of flying out of his body. And as I was painting it, I got this kind of message. Uh, well, you know, you're God's lawyer. You're one of God's lawyers. And I decided, well, I'm going to apply to law school. And I did. And I applied to Pepperdine Law School, which is actually a school in Malibu that professes Christ. And I told them that what I really want, you have to write a thesis to get into law school. And I told them what I really wanted to do was represent women in the Middle East, women who are of all different religions, all different races, all different nationalities, and help them find a voice to bring about peace in the Middle East, because the men really, it's nothing against We haven't men, done it. But you haven't done it yet. <laughs> I thought maybe if we gave the women a chance, yeah. they could do it, or at least move in that direction. And so the dean of the school really liked it, and I was accepted, and I got a scholarship. So that's how I started my law career. So there's a lot more money in law than probably drawing paintings, but maybe there's not, not a really. whole lot. Well, I was just going to say, maybe not in immigration law. No, right? no, no. Actually, <laughs> my plan was just to do pure humanitarian law and still keep up my artwork and make my living oh, that way. Okay. But I got so involved in yes. doing this uh, work with refugees that it just took, you know, basically all my time and energy. How much, how much of the film, Judy, and I, and I really, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this too, Trevor, but that sort of... You know, it, it sort of plays like a documentary a little bit in a sense, right? Because this is we know this is a true story. We know this is about somebody who actually, you know, exists and this uh, who, who fought for this and who actually changed. It. And we want to talk about that a little later on, what you actually, you know, had an impact on from a legal perspective. But is this a true story? Like well, the film in that? In the that spirit story? of it is true. A lot of it is true. I really did argue this case in the Ninth Circuit. I really did win the case in the Ninth Circuit. I really did say what the actress says in the court in the Ninth Circuit. I really did visit this woman in jail. I really did see her. I really did help her get off those drugs. I really did get her released from mm. this detention center. All of that is true. My, I also was a single mother, and my son was older than the child in the movie. He was in actually a teenager by that time. And he came out to join me while I was in law school. He came out in my second year of law school. I had raised him up to the time, on my own, up until the time that he was in high school. And then he, he spent his last year of high school with his dad in New York. And then he came back to his mother in California while I finished law school. So, and we made a lot of trips from New Mexico to California, world trips, but that wasn't exactly how the first road trip to, to law school happened. The fact is that I, I drove to law school with a friend who was actually had been a model of mine while I was doing portraits, and she became my best friend. Unfortunately, she's not alive anymore, but mm. she became my very best friend. And she would model for me doing these portraits. Um, at the time that I was uh, an artist in Santa Fe, I also worked for the Bureau of Indian Affairs, and I know that's very important in Canada right now. And I was the recording secretary, this is before law school, for the Bureau of Indian Affairs. Another, I usually had two or three jobs at the same time. And, um, you sound so I busy. Would, <laughs> or would, sounded very busy. I and would, probably still are. I would record. You know, They would have these tribal meetings, national Native Americans from all over the country, discussing their issues. And I was the recording secretary, so I got to know all of their issues. And this person who was my model, Mariana, worked also for the Bureau of Indian Affairs. And I never had any clothes that didn't have paint on them. I walked into, you know, I'd 
go to the bureau and he'd filled from head to toe with oil paint pastels and she ran up to me in her suit I want to be your friend and we wound up being friends till the day she died do you think that's a reason why you're 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 a great lawyer because you are a doer as well like you're you're you you know you're you're, your sleeves are rolled up you've got the paint all over you there's a beautiful metaphor to that Uh, I decide I decide early on when I take the case to actually almost become the client by the time mm. I've walked into the Ninth Circuit, I have, I know their story as if it is my own story. I feel, to the extent that I'm able to, I feel their pain, and I know what their future could be, which is probably the most important part of the case. What is in store for this person in the future? They've already gone through amazing suffering, suffering that many human beings could not endure. They have survived it. Now they're here. And I just want to say one more thing. Um, the horrific part about this work, being a a lawyer for refugees, and especially for women, is that after they dredge up their whole nightmare and bare their soul, and so it becomes a public document, they still might not get asylum. Mm. And it's so injurious to the person, because what if the judge doesn't believe them when they've told the absolute truth? It's, It's so much salt in the wound. Yeah, that's uh, well. That's kind of a problem with the legal system, in a sense, isn't it? It's almost as if we need uh, we need pastoral care. <laughs> Maybe this is this is why you're here. Like we need we need somebody to come alongside who who can who can support, who can build up, who can listen. Well, now at the border, you know, you have this really tragic situation at the border between Mexico and the United States, and the administration is saying that these people are not telling the truth. That these asylum mm. stories are all phony. They're not phony. Um, In fact, usually these people misstate or understate or try to hide because they're so ashamed of the horrors that they've gone through. And and then when they actually do come out with this nightmare that they've endured and they're not believed, it's 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 so it's soul crushing, really soul crushing. Yeah. No. Go. Yeah. Earlier point. Beauty of just what you talked about the soul crushing part, obviously, but Judy, the 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 fact that you started as an artist, um, and I would love to see some of your art if if you'd ever let me. But to start as an artist that kind of launches you into this life as an advocate, as an attorney, as as a saver of lives, and now for that to become an art. And I, you know, I think what Sean did, Sean Hanish, the the director, director, um, I, I think. And, and Dimitri, the writer, I think it's beautiful. I think it's a, the film is a beautiful piece of art. But the, I just love that full circle. It just strikes me as, as moving and profound that it started with art, Kim comes around. and I, Well, to me, it's, you know what it's all about? is It's all about incremental change. Like, obviously, we can talk about structural change, and you've, you've had an impact on that. You changed a significant law that has changed the lives for, of many, many people. But you've also talked a little bit about those little artful human moments that become a part of the, the bigger story, right? The, right. The, the, the meeting the Native Americans across the street, painting their faces, the joy of that, the light dancing on the face, et cetera. I mean, this is, this is all part of your story and part of who you are, right? Yes, so, it is. And, and, and it feeds into kind of a what's next, if you will. Because I think... Really- it ma- it, everything matters. And to your earlier point, Trevor, what, what did you, why did you be- take on the film? Because human beings matter? Is that was... Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's... As, as Judy continues like the, to show us. The, the, yeah. do, the dots are connecting all over, right? I think that we all come from a place where we've suffered 
Everybody mm. has suffered. Not everybody tells you immediately. Right. You know, I've been raped. I'm this, I'm that. A thousand things have happened to me. No one tells you that, right? No one really wants you to know that. But when they do tell you it, and you're able to help them transform whatever pain, whatever tragedy they've suffered into something that actually God can use to make the world a better place. It's a, it's a wonderful experience. Is this a film about hope? I mean, hope comes up a couple times for me. So I see it in your ad uh, on the park bench. I, I'm pretty sure I caught a, a shot, and I'd love to ask Sean if he was here. There's a shot near the end of the film where Michelle Monaghan is, I think, walking uh, across the street. It's Hope Street, I believe. Oh, is that? I, I'm pretty, I, pretty I'll sure watch that it is. Tonight, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure it is. It's near near the end of the film, and then I think uh, Alfred Molina's character, who's also an executive producer, help me out here, on, on, uh, Ray's character, um, says at the early on, you know, this is a sad case, Judy. Some, sometimes you just got to move on. But I'm not hearing that from you. I'm hearing this is no, no. This is that was a challenge to your character, but to you as a person, that's how you step into things, it seems well, to me. Well, also, I don't think that there's any reason to practice in this area unless you're going to win, unless you're going <laughs> right. to do everything nice. possible to win. Why put this human being who's in mm. front of you bearing their soul through it, through the whole gauntlet of exposing all their deepest, most horrible secrets, if you're not going to win? You have to try to do everything possible to win. Otherwise, there's no reason to open that file, to open the drawer, to even open the office. To, there's no point in getting out of bed, in other words, in not, the morning. Not this to is, go there. Right. Do something else. Yeah. But this is someone's life. You're, you're here. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you a tall order here. You're here representing the church. Oh, wow. <laughs> I don't Perfect. know why that's funny to Most me, but churches it is. wouldn't want that. No, out. that's probably true. <laughs> that's probably true. But tell, tell, where, where does the hope come into this? I mean, I mean... Uh, you know, uh, maybe your personal story, maybe the the film itself, some of the lessons you've taken away from this, or or what you've picked up along the way, is 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 that what this is about for you? A hope. This is about a hope so world that we will get to. Does that make sense? Is that yeah? Fair yeah, I, I think I would say yes. And um, for me, um, and maybe I'm more of um, just the way I'm wired. So I I love the hope that's in the film. I love the, but more than that, I love the fight that's in the film. Mm. I love the, you know, hope, hope exists out there, um, not in an esoteric way, but in a like, hey, we have to go through the fight. We have to go through the waters to get there. And I think I resonate with the fight more than the, the fight, not a physical fight, obviously, but the struggle, the, um, again, our tradition says our, our battle is not against human beings, but against principalities and powers. Are you, are you quoting scripture? Um, I just quoted oh, the Bible on, on your... Um, <laughs> but And that's exactly what I see Judy doing. As she values the human person, she's also saying the system is so broken that it can't be this way. And unfortunately, what the, has happened in the church in North America anyway you know, generally speaking, is it the church has become the system, mm. right? Like I think the, pr- it is the now, prince, the principality, the principality in power. Yeah. The, the church, you know, has more to do with recognizing, um, you know, elections and politicians, not the ascension and, and baptism. And so we've just kind of gone so far from what I think Judy is living out, what the church ought to be. And the church is living out, Sort of have sort of adopted the um, posture of the of the power of the empire. It's all about transformation. Um, Jesus's message is about transformation. 
First is transformation from being a heavenly, um, I don't want to use the word creature, a heavenly being to being a, a person, a human person. Then his transformation to becoming an eternal being. But in that transformation, he involves the possibility of everybody stepping out from their little life. Everybody has their little life, which is your little concerns about survival and your suffering that all of us have endured into a larger life. And the larger life involves your own transformation and using that transformation to transform the lives of those around you and on and on. It has an on and on rippling effect and it truly is salvation. Judy, I think your character says in the film, and maybe you've actually said this yourself, all you need to do to win is to tell the truth. I'm pretty sure that was, do you remember, Trevor, if that was, uh, anyway. I don't know if it's exact line, but paraphrased, definitely. Yeah. Do, do you really believe that? I mean, yes, looking at the I political situation the in the U.S. shall make you free. It does. It has a power. The truth is like a sword. It cuts through all the nonsense. And when you're in a court of law and you speak the truth, the whole room resonates with it. It's as if the whole room lights up. When you really speak the truth, everyone knows it. And everyone is moved by it. It's powerful. There's a scene that I found really disturbing in the film, and I thought it was also really interesting, the setting of where the actual court case took place or part of it. It was a trailer of some kind. It looked like, I guess, that's near, maybe near the prison. or um, Anyway, um, a very sort of humble place, no, no pomp and circumstance, and yet the judge comes in in a robe and so on. And she says to you or to your character, Michelle Monaghan, she says something to the effect of, or to the, sorry, to, to, to uh, Estefa, the woman you're defending. I agree with you. But the law says this. Yes. Right? And, and that I just, happens it was all the time. Heart, that was just a, such a heartbreaking moment. It happens for... all the time. It happens every day where the judges are constrained by how the law has been interpreted. Because these judges are, they're not even really judges, they're administrative hearing officers. Mm. And they get their directions from the attorney. This is how it works in the United States. They get their directions from the uh, attorney general. They really have very little independence. And um, now it's it's kind of uh, worse for them because they have to complete these cases rather quickly. And if they get if their decisions get overturned, they get chastised. Interesting. So if somebody pushes back, the the judge gets chastised. So right? they're not a big fan of you. Then is that is that what you're telling me? Because you you're you're pushing back all the time, aren't you? Right, right. And so when when they know that a lawyer who comes in their courtroom has won several Ninth Circuit cases, they have a slightly different attitude. Um, they, if they can grant, they will, because they know that there'll right. be an appeal. Some of them are afraid to grant. They're actually, I think they're afraid to grant, thinking that they're going to get chastised by the attorney general. How, how political are these decisions? I mean, it... it's very political because now people from central, you can have the same exact fact situation, hmm. particularly with a woman a woman who's been subjected to rape and all kinds of horrible situations in a country from Central America, that woman, that woman will not win asylum. She will not win. If she's from El Salvador, she's from Honduras, she's from Guatemala, she will not win asylum. If she's from Armenia, Russia, or some other country, she probably will win asylum. That's how politicized it's become. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's fascinating. I mean, there must be other lawyers around who 
who don't get out of bed with this kind of with their sleeves rolled up like it seems like you do every day because there must be such a cynical undertone to the work oh it's another case it's kind of the the alfred molina character ray's character right the yes, well this is a sad case other, judy you got to move on there are other warriors in, mm. in 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 this battle and just recently a young lady a woman lawyer from denver won a case where uh, it was a woman uh, fleeing from domestic violence from Mexico, and the immigration judge, who was also a woman, found that that woman, who was suffering from machismo and um, the general attitude, condescending, horrible attitude toward toxic women throughout the country yeah. of Mexico, she also mentioned in her decision, El Salvador, that that woman was a member of a particular social group. In the Refugee Act, it says you, if you're an asylee, you have to be fleeing persecution on account of several grounds, one of which, the one in controversy now, is being a member of a particular social group. So the issue is, are women a member of a particular social group? And this young lady was able to actually argue and win that women from Mexico, women from Mexico are members of a particular social group. I thought that was fantastic. And women from many of these Central American countries are members of social group because these women are victims of femicide. And it's not only physical femicide, but psychological and spiritual femicide, where their minds are so afflicted with depression and just the fight-or-flight syndrome that they can barely survive. And then when they get here, to, be, to have the gates close in front mm. of them is just heartbreaking. It must be pretty terrifying. And I mean, that, that definitely comes out in the film, um, I don't know if you felt that, but it was pretty palpable to me, the the, the fear that she must have been going through, I mean, you know, pr- maybe pre-medication, and then she probably wasn't that fin- uh, that aware of it on being so heavily medicated, but just being taken in to a situation like that, your life is hanging sort of, li- you know, literally hanging in the balance on words, on definitions. And now it's even worse than it was the, situ- the, the situation that was depicted in the film, because now, rather than being in a det- detention center in the United States, these women and their children are being kept in refrigerated rooms at the border in Mexico. And when some of these women are apprehended, if they've crossed the border illegally, they're put into federal custody. Some of these women are pregnant, they're forced to give birth shackled, and then their children are taken away from them. So... so- I'm not an attorney. I'm, you know, just just a guy. How how can I get into this fight? How do we how do we resist this? How do we stand up and say this isn't right? What where can we join you and and your warriors? All right. Well, I'm glad you asked that question because we have started um, a lawsuit which has not been filed yet. But I've met with other lawyers, and we actually went down to Mexico, and I'm sure that Canada can get involved in this as well, bringing a case in the before the UN, because this is against international law. The United States is a signatory, a signatory to the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, which is the basic humanitarian and human rights piece of international law, which says in Article 14, a person has a right, a human right, to apply for asylum. No matter where they're from, it doesn't matter if they're from Mexico, Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador. It doesn't matter where they're from. They have the right to apply for asylum, and they should not be punished for it. So if, if I'm the opposing voice to that, and I'm not, but if I was, and I push back on you, and I said, yeah, but 
what about this, what about crime, and, and started to throw out these stats and, and so on. How do you respond to that? How do you, how do you arm others in response to those types of, I don't know, extreme positions? Well, these people, number one, these people have a right to be heard. Mm. You don't have to grant their asylum case, but you have to hear the, you have to hear the case. And when you keep them in a refrigerator, in a refrigerated room, and you force them to stay in Mexico, in a place where they don't have a home, they don't have a room, they don't have a cot, they don't have a blanket, they don't have diapers, they don't have a, a place to eat, and, and they're afraid that they're going to be deported from Mexico, that's not giving them an opportunity to be heard. You have to change that. This weight in Mexico thing is completely, outrageously, totally against international law. Do, do you think this is just simply racism judy is it is it it, do you think this is simply just racism is it is it about is it about crime is it about politics is it about getting a vote first of all it's not about crime it is not about crime because there are just as many criminal elements coming in from the soviet former soviet union from armenia from other countries perhaps more than from central america um it is about racism these people are not white they are not white People from Eastern Europe are. Well, it just—I mean—it just sounds when you when you put it that way. It's just—it's—it's it's pretty simple, right? And yet, it's definitely deeply... let's make America great slash white again. Mm. And when um, talk is being spread about deporting people, the people that they want to deport are the brown people. Whether or not they have criminal histories, or many of them mostly don't. And I, I want to ask you a question. Mm. We're enjoying a bumper crop now in California. I come from Los Angeles. I, you may have had the opportunity to drive through the, the valley uh, going from Los I've only, Angeles to I've, San Francisco. I've only flown into LAX well, and missed flights and things like that. It's, it's, it's completely a, a, a valley of fruits and vegetables mm. growing all on either side of the highway. Who is going to pick the food? Who is going to pick it? You know who's been picking it for the last 50 years, at least. Who's going to pick it now? Are we going to just let it rot in the fields? Do you think that the white people living in Los Angeles are going to go to the fields in Fresno and pick these strawberries? Good luck. New, new Americans. They're not going to pick it. The and people who want to pick it are coming from Mexico, El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras. That's what they were doing there. They know how to do it. It takes some skill. And they want to do it. Why not let them? I've lived, uh, I've, sorry, I've worked in international development for years, Judy, and one of the things, and maybe Trevor, you've heard th- things similar to this, but, but, but people will say things like, oh, those people referring to some other country, you know, they must be lazy or they're not willing to work hard or they're not willing to really, you know, do what it takes in order to grow a business. And I mean, not only does that just show the level of ignorance and and, and understanding the issue, I mean, clearly they've never been to the majority world. I mean, all I see are people who are working hard, who are selling firewood, who are recycling, you know, and, and so on to make ends meet. Not only that, but I've represented a number of people from Central American countries who've been lawyers, doctors, journalists, professors, etc., from these Central American countries, and for some reason, they had to flee 
from their country. Mm. And when they come here, they're willing to do whatever it takes right. to survive, right. to raise their family, to send their children to college. So so the uh, main character in the film at one point says something to the effect of, at least I can fight back in America. Is that kind of why they're coming, in a sense? Would because you say they have why? a voice. Be, yes. They can be alive. Imagine being a woman who has to cover her face and not be heard, who is not allowed to have an opinion. There are some parts of the world where a woman cannot even show her eyes in her own home. Imagine living your life like that. You'd do anything to seek well, freedom. Well, you know what's so interesting about the film too, Trevor, uh, from a producer's perspective, I would imagine this probably drew you to the script, but you, you get into some pretty significant issues. Sean really addresses, Dimitri, the writer, they, you know, we're talking about international issues, we're talking about girls' education and gender disparity, and yes, this is a film about U.S. immigration law and about this woman, St. Judy. And about a female immigration the, lawyer. Right, 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 exactly. This film's about empowerment. It's about, it's about so many things, right? And the sign of a great story is that it's, it's layered. Once, um, many years ago, I was in immigration court, and I was arguing for my client. His, he had suffered horrible atrocities. His mother, his sister had all gone through a really awful femicide. And the judge said to me, well, Miss Wood, you're not being deported like that. Wow. Trevor, it looks like you want to get a word in here. Yeah, you've, no, been I, having, you've been having just, trouble. You've been very quiet. Sorry. Um, circling back, and if you've seen Sean's films, this is his third feature film. Mm. And um, in all of them, um, he has very complex female characters. Um, and and St. Judy, the, the female is um, two protagonists who are just brilliant and, and are heroines. Um, but there's always lots of, of, of layers right. to those. And I think this one, he goes even deeper. I think this is his, his masterpiece for sure. And, you know, especially I, I love, I love the fact that Asifa is a female Muslim hero. Um, you know, the fact that she is standing up and fighting for girls. I love that. Um, in the you know the political climate and discourse, not just in the U.S., it's in Canada too. I don't know, Judy, if you had heard, but one of our provinces, which sort of like states, have just banned all religious symbols in the public square. So if you go to a school or a, or a um, civil building, um, a woman can't wear a hijab even if she wants to. So they've taken that agency away from women. Um, a, a Sikh can't wear a turban because it's a religious symbol. So um, that's in, in Quebec, which I'm sure it's going to get overturned. Um, I totally forget where I was going with this, David. But all that to say, oh, so when Asifa is this, this Muslim woman who is in her context and yet decides to push against it, hmm. that's exactly what you know I see Judy doing in her you know American capitalist neoliberal context pushing back against the very things that are dehumanizing, which, you know, in many ways, if, if the current administration hadn't got in, um, if another administration had gotten in, um, things would have just kind of, you know, it would have been easy to say, look at how good we are, look at what we're doing. Sometimes it takes these eruptions of, oh, no, wait, look how racist, you know, what's, what's you know, the... the the approval rate for this current administration is still like 39%, which people are saying is so low, but it's like, no, wait, 39% of people still think this behavior is okay. 
Well, they seem to think that it's okay, his uh, misogynist attitude toward women as well, across the board. Not only his um, racism, and but... Um, that's what we need to fight against, right? As you continue to fight for these people, I think this is where, and again, I don't want to go back to the spiritual stuff, but this is where I would call, especially evangelicals who've jumped on that train, it's like, wake the frig up. Um, <laughs> you're allowed to say, you're, you're allowed wake, to use explicit language on this podcast. up <laughs> and start living out the gospel. Start living out, out something that is beautiful and hopeful and have the balls to fight. And, you know, when I see Asifa and, and St. Judy having that fight, I think, you know, lead us. Judy, well, lead us. This is because Jesus has led us. And, and he said, there are, in heaven there are no men and women. Neither male nor female, slave nor free, Jew or Greek, right? We are all human. Yeah. It's looking like I'm going to need to call my publicist again. You guys are looking at each other, and you're just totally ignoring me now. Yeah, you're going deeper into a whole other level. I feel like I've got too preachy. (laughs) No, no, it's all good. Hey, sadly, we're going to have to wrap up in in a second. I know you both have a a reception to get to and and a showing at the Oakville uh, Film Festival, which is amazing and great. And again, thank you for your time today. But the opening scene in the film, Judy, uh, when when Michelle Monaghan, she's she's on a mission, and she's walking through the the hallway and up the steps and through the doors, and she sits down and boom, she gets a ruling. It looks so easy. You have to fight it, tooth and nail for it. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> but it, clearly that was setting us up for who you know this person, who she was, and who Even she is. She and got a ruling. She yeah, bought, there's plenty of prep. It's not quite that easy, right? Total You're saying preparation. Total preparation. You got to roll your sleeves up. You got to go in. It's all nighters. It's 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 about digging deeper. Listen, thank you both for 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 uh, joining us here today on Face to Face. We've been talking with uh, Trevor Brisbane and Saint Judy uh, Judy Wood uh, about their new film Saint Judy. Thank, thanks to you both. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.